the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hey, John, listen. I'm dead. Nothing. Just static. Bible Live Quiz Show. Thank you. There we are. That helps a little bit. One final button. Pushed and we're on the air. Thanks for joining us for the Bible Live Quiz Show tonight. Uh, my voice is a little, a little uh, raw tonight. I taught three good long classes this morning out at Lackland Air Force Base to the uh, not to the basic trainees. Uh, we today I taught the hotel class, which is our eighth week class. And uh, on the eighth week, Jacob, we get to teach not only the uh, the the new airmen they just graduated this past Friday. I got. We get to teach not only them, but they bring their family members, moms and dads, uncles and aunts, brothers and sisters, nephews, nieces, little brothers and sisters, and sweethearts and wives and husbands. It's it's a it's a tremendous opportunity we have there to minister not only to the trainees, now the new airmen, 
but to their family members who have traveled across the country to uh, be with them to celebrate their graduation from uh, basic military training in the Air Force. So uh, got a little <clears throat> three good long classes in today, and I'm a little raw in the voice and the throat, but <clears throat> I'm going to... Uh, we're going to move forward like a real trooper. The show must go on, as they say. Folks, I hope you can uh, put up with a little bit of a strained voice this evening. Uh, Jacob is here with his wonderful, clear Isabel voice. Uh, I've got to tell you, I never asked for this role. That's hilarious. I must have my way. I must have. He is. Uh, he, Jacob is here to give us that, that very crucial and important Hebrew perspective of the scriptures. This book is all this program is all about the book, the Bible. We read through it each and every year. Tonight our readings this past week at least have been from the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, the last the fifth of the books of the Torah, the Pentateuch. Uh, and we are finishing it up with chapters twenty eight through thirty four. <clears throat> and then we jump forward into the New Testament. And we read the Gospel of Mark, chapters 1 you read a gospel? through 8. The what? The Gospel you read? The Gospel of Mark, yes. And it's Mark, you say? The Gospel of Mark. Wait till I tell you what happened to the body of Mark. Oh, well, oh yeah, I'm going to share. We're going to share these tonight. Yeah. These insights that you bring to us. Yeah, Great. Tonight we're prepared. Now, Mark, <clears throat> let's just give a little bit of background on both books. Uh, if you'd like to call in and be a part of the program tonight, folks, the phone number is 340-9585, 340-9585. The, books, uh, the book of Deuteronomy yep. is a series of lectures, I think either four or five. I'm never quite sure about that, but four or five lectures that Moses gives to the yeah, people of Israel. It depends if you're Jewish, Catholic, or Protestant. Okay, that's the uh, confusion, is it? Uh, well, it seems. Sun? I know this for sure. It's the last five weeks of Moses' life. Right. So maybe once a week, maybe five different lectures. But he remember, this is the man that says, God, I can't serve you. You can't send me to do this because I don't know how to talk. I'm not a good talker. And yet he had had a voice like Sophie's. We have him delivering uh, these beautiful, powerful messages. And it's called the second law, at least in Greek. Oh, those Greeks. Don't you just love them? The second law or the second giving of the law to uh, a second generation of uh, the people of Israel as they wait now on the eastern bank of the River Jordan, just before they go in. Going down to Jordan. All right. Taking up the slack tonight, Jacob. Uh, let's see. There we are, Deuteronomy 28 through 34. Uh-huh. And then, and there's some important passages in there tonight that are going to deal with uh, false religions, right, Jacob? Or oh, you are you, so right. Uh, there's some important passages for us. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we're going to go into the Gospel of Mark, uh, which, well, I always say they're my favorite, but the Gospel of Mark, uh, just as Matthew spoke his gospel was primarily directed toward the people of Israel uh, and presenting Jesus as Messiah, as the king uh, that had been promised and prophesied for them. Mark emphasizes the servant nature, uh, the servanthood nature of Jesus the Messiah, how he goes from person to person, village to village, serving, helping, lifting up the weak, healing the sick. Uh, just just a servant-hearted individual get, pouring out his life in benefit of others. That's 
That's what we see uh, primarily as a theme in the Gospel of Mark. So let's pick up there. I have some questions already selected from the Psalms that we read. And, Jacob, I want to count on you to come up with some questions from the Deuteronomy and the Gospel of Mark. All right? Well, I okay. Okay. I know you can do it. Yeah, but wait till I'm really excited about tonight because we talked about this, you and I. That'd be me and you. And and we are going to do what we said we're going to do. In the first of the Psalm 40, in the first verse of Psalm 40, David says that God heard his cry and turned to him after David had done what? Psalm chapter 40, David says that God heard his petition, his cry, and turned to him after David had done something very specific. What was it? Now, in Psalm 40, verse 3, God responds to David by lifting him up out of his despair, his hopelessness, and placing his feet on a solid ground, the rock. What was the third thing that God did for David? He lifted him out of despair first. Secondly, he's placed his feet on a solid rock, and then he did something else for David. What was it? Look at Psalm 40, verse 3. Then let's move down to Psalm 147. It was written on what occasion? What was the occasion for the writing of Psalm 147? What did it celebrate? What did it commemorate in the life of the people of Israel? Psalm 147. You can look at verse four, verse 2 specifically for the answer to that question. And then again in Psalm 147 in verse uh-huh. 4. Uh-oh. Uh, to show that God's power and understanding, his knowledge, are beyond human comprehension, the psalmist says that God counts us and knows each one of us by name. Who are we? It's one of those who, who am I type questions from the scriptures. Psalm 147, to demonstrate that God's power and understanding are beyond human comprehension, the psalmist says that God counts us and knows each of us by name. What are we? That's a question from Psalm 147, verse 4. And then finally, this question from, uh, well, it's a question about all of the final five psalms, psalms number 146 through 150. They have something in common in that every one of those psalms begins and ends with, with the same words. What are the words that begin and end Psalms 146 to 150? All right. There you have one, two, three, four, five questions from the Psalms tonight. Jacob, you have some questions from Deuteronomy and yeah, I just the Gospel happened, of Mark. I happen to. Okay. Look, what, there's some really interesting stuff here. First of all, I'd like to say, uh, while we're doing these uh, 28 through 34, so it's roughly six chapters, but the most interesting for me, and I'm going to encourage everybody else to share my opinion, mm-hmm. is uh, starts in 32. It's called the Song of Moses. Now, but there's some very interesting stuff here. So let's first question. Let's take a look at mm-hmm. uh, your number three, which says, in Deuteronomy 30, uh, Moses challenged the people to make what? Life and death decision. Life or death. Well, life or death. <laughs> okay. 
It's a question of life or death, folks. You got to make a decision. What make what decision did Moses challenge them to make in Psalm, in Deuteronomy uh-huh. chapter thirty, verses uh, sixteen and twenty? Okay. Now, you ready for another one? I am. All right. All right. Now you're number six. During the year of release, what book did Moses say should be read to all the people? When they gathered at the Festival of Shelters, Tabernacles, or in Hebrew, Sukkot. Okay. And you'll find the answer in Deuteronomy. And uh, I see you don't have a site there, but mm. let's wing it. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and say, what is supposed to be read? What book? All right. Uh-huh. You ready? Uh, let's just leave it at that. All right. There could be several names they would give to it, I suppose. But oh, uh, sure. you, can, you can answer it. During the year of release, what book did Moses say should be read to all the people when they gathered for the Festival of Shelters or? Well, Shelbers, Tabernacles, and Hebrew Sukkot. Sukkot. Uh-huh. All right. All right. So that's the idea. So that's number two, right? Yes. Okay. Let's do. Uh, Okay. You want to do one more from Deuteronomy or not? Yeah, because I'm trying to tie it in. Look at your 15, okay? Good. I'm glad. I was just looking at that one. I think well, it's, of course I think you it's were. interesting. Uh, you know how they always say great minds think alike? Mm-hmm. Well, by implication, reverse must be true that not great minds also think alike. <laughs> That's true, too. Uh, the Song of Moses, God, in the Song of Moses, God has given a title that will be used later by Jesus. What? Uh, the early church and by us today, but rarely are the Hebrew for the Hebrew scriptures. What title is that? And it's cited uh, thirty-two six. God is given a title, and not Psalm, but in Deuteronomy thirty-two six, God is given a title that is later used by Jesus rather prominently, and by the early church and by us today. But this was a title that was rare uh, for the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, maybe you'll correct me on no, that. No, no, I, I, I think that particular word, I think, is correct. What yeah. title was given to God in Psalm, uh, Psalm, we keep saying Psalms, in Deuteronomy 32, 6? Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'll do a couple from Mark. Mark, yes? Yes. Okay. All right, look, looking at Mark... Um, this is good to know. Let's just do your number one. It says, the Roman name for the man who authored the second gospel was Mark. What was his Hebrew name? All right. Uh, that's a good little piece of trivia. Good little piece of trivia. Yeah, a good little trivia. Although, although probably not trivial. I imagine there's some deep meaning. Oh, there could be. Who knows? All right. There his Roman think- name was Mark, uh-huh. but his Hebrew name was what? Uh, no, his name was not what. Not what, but <laughs> who's on first? Yes. Uh, okay, let's look at your number nine. Okay, uh, right. that's in Mark. It's uh, once a paralyzed man was lowered through the roof into Jesus's presence, and Jesus healed him, using the occasion to prove that re- to the religious leaders that he had authority to do what in the spiritual realm. We'll say it's in Mark two ten and eleven. In fact, they lowered him in through the roof, you know. You yeah. might say that was the high point of Jesus' career. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. All right. Um, they, they, he was so popular that uh, they could not get close to him, 
So they brought their friend, a paralyzed man, uh-huh. uh, in his cot or bed, and they lowered him down through the roof uh-huh. into Jesus' presence. And, and Jesus healed him, but he used the occasion to prove, uh, particularly to the religious leaders that were there present, uh-huh. that he had authority to do something very unique. Uh, in the spiritual realm. Uh, it's a very important passage, I think, and, and a beautiful it passage. It's an important passage, as if there were others that are not. Mark chapter 2, <laughs> Mark chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Uh, now, let's just do your 15, for right. thou being as three to Mark, okay? All right, good. And 15 is, Jesus cast out many demons out of a man and into a herd of pigs. One of the demons gave his name when Jesus demanded it. What name did the demon give? Answer, 5, 9. Chapter 5, verse 9 of the Gospel of Mark. Mark. Exactly right. Okay. Okay. I got the wrong question there, Circles. That's okay. Um, Well, let's go ahead. Since I circled another question, I'll go ahead and give it. Oh, sure. Actually, you're supposed to use the boxes. I use the circles. I know. I got messed up. Jesus went to sleep during a boat trip across the Sea of Galilee. Ah. It was a stormy uh, Sea of Galilee, a stormy night. Uh When the storm hit and his frightened disciples awakened him, what did Jesus do? That's found in uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 38 through 41. This is on his way over to meet the man that Jacob referred to. Well, and that's uh, right. That's the man, right, he, yeah. he cast demons out of this man yes. into a herd of pigs. So uh, what did Jesus do when he was awakened in the wow. middle of the storm by his frightened disciples? Mm-hmm. And we could also look, if you want to, in Psalm 148, verses 7 and 8. It kind of re- references or has a has something to do with this passage in Mark chapter 4. So there you go. There's right, right, right. lots of questions. One, sure. two, three, four, five, six, seven, it's a eight, lot nine, of questions. ten, eleven, lots twelve. Lots of questions. Twelve questions out there that if you'd like to answer and any if of there's, them. And if there's something you want to talk about, please do. And please feel free to call in, agree. And if you would like, you can challenge and disagree. How's yes, that? particularly with Jacob. And and uh, we have a call that's been online, and John yes, is breaking his fingers trying to tell us. Let me give three four zero ninety five eighty five one more time. Three four zero ninety five eighty five is our phone number. So let's go to line number one and visit with Harold. Harold is calling in tonight. Good to talk with you, my friend. Hello. Soapy Dollar and hi, Jacob. Hi, Harold. Good to hear from you, kiddo. What's going yes, on sir. in your world? Well, well, it's the first time I don't have a Bible with me. I was going to let you know uh, I didn't really, um, I didn't plan on all this stuff, but, um, and I wasn't even going to mention it, but I had a window broken out of my truck Thursday night. So oh, that has happened to me before. That's well, well awesome. you know, the, well, you know, it's kind of strange, you know, how the Lord works. So, the next morning, I was at Safe Flight on IH-10, and there was an older uh, couple there. And I say older because they were married 52 years, and we're married 42 years. And I was, he started asking me about the roads. I, well, this is IH-10, 410 by Wonderland. I said, aren't you from San Antonio? And he said, no. So, I, you know, I started asking questions and trying to be like a San Antonio person, you know. And I well, where are you from? Yeah. And he said, we're from Oregon. And I said, well, I know he's there because the window probably got broke. He goes, well, 
our windows got broke. We didn't lose anything. All we lost was time. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, we brought the family down to Lackland Air Force Base because our grandson was going to, uh, what do you call it? Graduate. Uh, yeah. graduate. Yeah, Thursday. And so I said, oh, my goodness. I said, here's my opportunity. I said, I, I'm going to hope I make him feel better. I said, you know what? You may know or you may not know that your grandson is is in the hands possibly of Soapy Dollar. He started the, he has a Bible Live radio show, and I had a piece of paper with all the information on it. And I said, the colonel that runs the ministry there at Lackland Air Force Base was on the radio last week. And I don't know if they thought I was Forrest Gump there on the bench or not, but, you know, they were glad to hear it. And um, his grandmother had said that they do go to a church there on the base. And, uh, and you know, they had just had this this incident. Mine was a little bit older, so I was kind of getting over it. But they, they had to send their families uh, with a taxi, and they, they missed it all. Oh, you know, so and all the way from Oregon, this little thing happens, and the grandparents missed it. And so, uh, you know, I just felt so bad for them. My problems became nothing because you can't get back time. That's right. That's right. You know, that's and impressive. that's all I wanted to say tonight. They were driving a red. In fact, many times I console myself with the fact that other people have greater tragedies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Somehow well, I'm not trying to. Somehow it makes us feel better. But that's yeah. a great story, Harold. I'm glad well, I wasn't you. trying to do that at all. I'm uh, joking. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, if you can find them, Soapy, they were driving a red Ford fifth wheel. And uh, I don't know if you can find them or not. Well, who knows? I, we uh, talked to a lot of family members today. At, at, yeah. Uh, at, and we talked to that very group of people that had just graduated on Thursday and Friday. So who knows? Yeah. We may have met them. I, I know there were some folks from Oregon. They did introduce themselves. So uh, we may want yeah. to touch base with them. Harold, thanks for mentioning Maybe so. This. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just had to. I did have to say. I am not a preacher, you know, uh, because I get asked sometimes. Uh, so I want to let him off the hook with that, you know. Uh, you. So, right, you know, so I just felt, you know, so bad for them and uh, everything. They're only a grandson. And uh, so that's, that's, that's been my concern all weekend. Well, thank I haven't you, been Harold, thinking sure. about myself yeah. much at all. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, sharing. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. That's better. all I wanted to say let's tonight. Say, let's say a prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless. Thank you, Father, for Harold and this meeting you had, a chance meeting with this couple from Oregon. Their family came to watch uh, their uh, grandson graduate from basic training, and we pray for them. We ask you to heal their hearts and their wounded feelings as they suffered this uh, uh, injustice to them and their vehicle, their possessions. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just bring joy to their life and, and relief. Help them to know their son is in your hands, that you, uh, that you will guard and protect him, even as he is involved in serving our nation uh, here and starting out in the United States Air Force. So, Lord, thank you for them. We pray for them. We pray your blessing and protection. Uh, and, and on that graduate, on that trainee, on that now uh, brand-new airman, we pray your blessing and protection on him and all of his uh, flight team and his flight members and all of those that graduated this week. We put them in your hands, Lord, to, to continue to take the lessons we taught them, 
the things that we've taught from your word and bring it to fruit in every one of their lives. Help them to really learn to enjoy uh, walking and, and living their lives in the light of who you are and what you're doing in our world. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Harold, for calling in. I think we have another uh, listener calling in on line two. His name is Rich. Rich, good to hear from you tonight. What's going on in your world? Hello, Sophie, Jacob. Uh, I wanted to answer one of the questions. Okay. Uh, The one about what book was read at uh, at certain festivals. Yes, Sukkot. Uh, Is it called the Book of Laws? Uh, the books of the law. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's kind of in the ballpark, Jacob. I think I have it's one of one of our. No, I. I uh, it's plural. Book of laws. Okay. L A W S. All right, Jacob is going to sound off on that, but right now, I'm giving you the uh, the bell of the right answer, Rich. A good answer. Uh, we have written here in our answers. It is uh, Deuteronomy. Or perhaps all of the books of Moses, the books of the law, the entire Torah. We're not sure. But Jacob says no. He thinks that he says it's the book of Deuteronomy. So we'll uh, we'll come back and okay. hear his commentary, Rich, on your on your answer. Good job. Okay. Good to hear from you. Folks, don't 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 go away. Don't go far. We're going to be right back. Never fear. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. You can call in, be a part of the program, just like Rich and Harold. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor. Carpet cleaning for the 21st century. 831-3535. If you're listening to this station, I can tell we have a few things in common. You care about this country, your family, and your faith. My name is Dixie Bishop, owner of Texas Plumbing Diagnostics. We'd like the privilege of serving you when you have a plumbing problem. That's what the diagnostics is all about. With our skilled licensed plumbers and leak detection technology, we can find that hidden leak that's affecting your foundation or turning your yard into a swamp. We at Texas Plumbing Diagnostics are not on commission. Our flat rate pricing will cover it all. And of course, we do it all. From water heaters and softeners to stopped up drains and new gas lines. See why Angie's List has given us the Super Service Award five years in a row. Or read our testimonials at our website, tpdtx.com. Call us at 210-698-9790 for Texas Plumbing Diagnostics. We respond to your emergency. Stat. Texas Plumbing Diagnostics. We respond to your emergency. Stat. 
Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. <laughs> there you are. You're a little too late, but that's never too late, right? I'll tell you what you're listening to tonight. This is The Bible Live. J- Soapy is here. I'm in the saddle, and Jacob is alongside here. We are making our way and talk- talking about the books of Deuteronomy primarily tonight, chapters 28 through 34, and then, of course, uh, from the Gospel of Mark and the New Testament, chapters 1 through Eight and let's go right back to our phone. Why not? Let's visit with. Um, uh, let me see. I've forgotten who it is on line. Kevin. One. Kevin. Uh, as, and as Jacob said earlier, Kevin can wait. <laughs> uh, he's trying to make oh. a bad joke, uh, Kevin, out of your name. There. Good to have you tonight. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Uh, I just been listening to the program and I uh, wanted to call in um, and join you. I'm glad you're there. And did you want? To, did you hear one of the questions you'd like to answer, or was there some comment that you might have as well? Uh, not, not particularly. Um, you know, I, I had just been listening to the program. I've been um, thinking a lot about uh, my family, and um, just really interested in, in a chance to talk to you. Um, is there any, is there any uh, chance I could uh, say something uh, to, for my brother? Uh, the re- oh, really, really the reason why I'm. Yeah, t- this is Kevin's. Uh, Putting a word out for his brother, right here in San Antonio or elsewhere? Uh, no, actually, uh, he's in New York. All right. And um, yeah, I just uh, go ahead, Kevin. I, uh, it's fine. I'm praying for him, and uh, I really want him. Uh, if I could tell him something, I, I want him to let go. Um, he's uh, he's been having a lot of doubt, and I uh, I've been trying to talk to him, and I I don't think that. Um, I've been able to get through to him, and I hope that if anyone else is out there that. Um, is having a hard time letting go. That uh, mm. sometimes that might be the uh, work doing. You bet. Um, you bet. Sometimes we just have to turn loose of things, and I don't know. Sometimes it's temptation. Sometimes it's something that we want so badly that it kind of crowds out our our love for the Lord and desire for Him. But I I know exactly what you mean, and so we'll join you in prayer, Kevin, for your brother. That that the, he'll be able to let go and. And uh, find the all-sufficiency, uh, that, that God himself is sufficient. You know, one of our psalms tonight, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give the answer to it. It says that <clears throat> one of our questions says, uh, David had huge problems. In, in Psalm chapter 40, David has huge problems, but, but he is so desperate for God's help. And he says, why is he desperate for God's help? And in verse 11, it says, because God was his only hope. God, you know, my wife used to say, sometimes we don't realize that God is all we need until God is all we have. And who knows, maybe, Kevin, the Lord will 
bring your brother to that point where he realizes that you know that the Lord is his only hope, his only real, the only real solution, and that maybe he will then be willing to turn loose and just uh, let God have His way. I will pray with you that He comes to that point because it it is a point of deliverance. It is a point of freedom when we are able to do that. No doubt about it. it your your love for your brother is very touching, Kevin. Well, thank you, and um, thank you for having me on. You betcha. God bless you, friend. We'll keep on praying. All right, Kevin calling in. Just You can do that as well. Someone on your heart. We were talking about that this morning, Jacob, in one of our uh, lessons. Part of our lesson was about prayer and how important prayer is to our lives. And, of course, you read the Psalms of David. Most of them are, are prayers. His, his heart is crying out to God. He's through the ups and downs and the, the good times, the bad times, difficult times of life. Uh, he takes his uh, concerns. He takes his needs to the Lord. And, uh, and prayer is such a vital thing for our lives, such a powerful gift that God has given us. I do appreciate Kevin calling in and, and uh, praying for his brother. You can call in as well tonight if there's something on your heart, on your mind, some passion, uh, some person. Uh, we don't mind at all hearing from you and, and praying with you. So three four zero ninety five eighty five is our phone number, 340-9585. So... Um, We've got a lot of questions out there for you to be able to answer tonight. Too many. Yeah, too many. quite a In fact, quite a few I just got three texts saying there's way too many questions. I can't keep up. Okay, here, let's go through them real quickly. In the first verse of Psalm 40, David says that God heard his cry and turned to him after David did a certain thing. What did David do in Psalm 40 that, that seem, seemingly on the basis of that, the Lord turned to him and helped him? Now then, let's look at Psalm 40, verse 3. God responded to David by doing three things. One, he lifted him out of despair. Secondly, he placed his feet on the solid rock, on the solid ground. And then the third thing, what did he do? Psalm 40, verse 3. He gave David something brand new. What was it? Uh, In the Psalms, 147 was written on the occasion of what occasion it had something to do with the people of Israel uh, and and Jerusalem. I'll give you that hint. What was the occasion of the writing of Psalm 147? And uh, I, I think I'm going to give you the answer to this one. Psalm 147, verse 4, to show that God's power and understanding are beyond human comprehension. The psalmist says in Psalm 147, verse 4, that he counts us and knows each of us by name and he's referring to the stars in the sky that's an amazing thought Whew, that's astounding jacob i don't know does that what do the do the stars i've heard that sometimes in the old testament in the hebrew scriptures the tanakh the stars represent um angels at times, is that right? I am not familiar with that, but I have no reason at this point on the air to doubt you. All right, well then maybe. But, yeah. uh, but I will tell you this: you're, uh, that the stars, as you can see, they're the way they're laid out in many different little patterns. Mm-hmm. There was at one time a way to read the Torah in the stars. That's mm-hmm. why the Psalm says it's always written in the heavens. It's not saying, "Oh, gee, how beautiful." What it's saying is the shepherd boys could actually read as a night passed the mm. Torah. Mm. I do not have that skill. In mm. fact, if the lights are dim, I have trouble reading anything in it. <laughs> but uh, but the um, 
But Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, because there's a lot of stuff we should get to. Psalm 146 through 150, the last five psalms, they all begin and end with the same words. What are those words? And those are all of our questions from the psalms. In Deuteronomy 30, Moses challenges the people to make a life or death decision. What is that decision? They have to choose. Psalm 30, verses 16 and 20. And then during the year of release, is that called the year of Jubilee as well? Uh, no, this would actually be uh, the seventh year. The seventh year, okay. During the year of release, every seven years, what book did Moses say should be read to all the people when they gathered for the shel- f- Festival of Shelters or uh, Sukkot? Mm. During the year, what book should be read to all the people? And we're going to see, I think, that Jesus actually did this. Uh, We can talk about it a little bit when we get to that question. What book did Moses say should be read to all the people? Uh, And then, I don't know if he actually read the book. We'll we'll see what Jacob tells us. In the Song of Moses, God is given a title that was later used by Jesus, used by those in the early church, and by us today, what was that title that was given to God uh, that was actually rare for the Hebrew Scriptures? What was that title? It's in uh, Deuteronomy 32.6. Oh, my goodness. We have questions from the Gospel of Mark. Yeah, that's why we really got, I think, <laughs> we've overloaded the audience. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll hold those back then from the Gospel of Mark. Let me just ask one. The Roman name for the man authored, the Roman name for Mark, the man who wrote the second Gospel, his Roman name is Mark, but what was his Hebrew name? All right, you can answer that for us, hopefully. And I think he wrote basically representing the thoughts and the insights, the perspective of the Apostle Peter is what I understand. The Gospel of Mark, it, to some degree, is based upon uh, the writings of Peter, but Mark serving him as a uh, as scribe. And you have some information about Mark and his tomb. And okay, here's what happened. Okay. Since uh, we're talking about Mark. And I, first I want to say, so there's a proper link of an introduction. Last week we talked about this a little because we're closing in on what's called the Song of Moses. In Hebrew, it's Hazinu, or the Song of Moses. That is a very important passage. It begins in chapter 32. Of Deuteronomy. Of Deuteronomy. And listen to the ver- that's a song. They say it's a song, but everybody's supposed to memorize it. Very few people do anymore. But the idea is is that it starts off with the history of Israel and goes through the present at that time and the future. It's prophecy. Actually, if you understand this properly, you will understand Zechariah, Ezekiel, Daniel. All that stuff is actually here. But we don't study it anymore, and so we think we're getting it. But this so they is, base their predictions out of their study, research, uh, observations from Deuteronomy chapter 32. Uh, beca- because Moses had prophesied these things shall happen in the future. I see. It's all there. And listen, listen to the first line. You recognize this. Remember in what is it? Uh, some of the Gospels, it says something like, Jesus says, until heaven and earth disappear, right? Right. Okay. Listen to the first line of the song. It says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and may the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop like rain. It's saying he's giving you witnesses, and until heaven and earth are gone, then nothing changes. 
So the point is, is when Jesus is quoting that in, mm-hmm. the, in the Gospels. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but he, my word So he's saying if the pass witnesses away. pass away, then the word passes away. And the whole point, he's drawing it from this song. Mm. Now, what's fascinating is, uh, I will tell you this, now giving that, we discussed this. And if there are certain things in, the, say, the Song of Moses, which is history, uh, the present time at that time, and in the future, which would now be in the past, and even in times. In fact, there is a verse in chapter 30, I'm not going to go to it right now, where Moses says, listen carefully, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the end days. So that's what this is all about. And think about this. As you said, he was he had, this is the last five weeks of his life. Tomorrow morning, he dies. So if that were you and you and me and we knew it, we're going to tell people the most important thing we can tell them right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what this song is about. It's, it's too complex to sit down and go over at this time, but a few things. Now, so... In there, there ought to be something about the competitive religions, enemies, all that kind of thing, right? Well, you mentioned Mark. Mark was preaching to uh, the Christians in Egypt. At that time, there was, they were called, and still what's left is called, Coptic Christians. Mm-hmm. There were 8 million Coptic Christians in Egypt. The Muslims contact, conquered them. Now, and the reason I'm saying this is because in the Song of Moses, there's allusions to this kind of thing. And that's fascinating. But So there were 8 million. And then when the Muslims conquered Egypt, they actually, what they did is they made a law that all Christian leaders, Mark was buried there, should be dug up and their bones fed to the Muslim dogs. Interesting, huh? So they actually dug up. Mark's body, since we're talking about Mark, and took his body and buried where it's buried today in Venice, Italy. Isn't that Hmm. interesting? Now, what's also interesting, to make sure that the Arabs could no longer speak in their language, the Muslims had a law that said, if they speak Egyptian, their tongues will be cut out. And he actually cut the tongues out of anybody that could be caught speaking their language. And so that's kind of what was going on. And so it all became, and as we know, Egypt today is Muslim. And so where do we find those kind of things? If the Song of Moses talked about the past, the present, and the The future. future. Mm -hmm. So there must be some lines in there that refer to it, right? And, yes, I'll suggest there are. And, of course, we've also got the repetition of history going over and over. And may I say, well, I can't do this because I've got to keep my notes here. Um, okay. But, um, but here, let me just give you a couple of ide- ideas. And first I want to say this. I'm not criticizing and will not criticize anybody's right to have their own religion, believe what they want. I do believe it's wrong to ha- make your evangelism conquering and killing people. Uh, but anybody has a right to have their religion and teach about the religion. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I said to you, Soapy, you cannot believe in Jesus, but you can still be a Christian. You wouldn't accept that. If I said to the Jews, hey, you can still be a Jew, but you can't have Moses and Torah no more, well, they're not going to accept that. That's what's going on with Islam. The Muslim people, I found some of them I know are some of the sweetest, kindest, gentlest people I've ever known, frankly. But the religion is drives you crazy. Hmm. 
And it's exactly opposite of Judeo-Christian religion. And in, and I'll tell you the lines here in the Song of Moses in a moment. I've known a number as well as you do, uh, individuals and people we meet and talk with and share with. And I think sometimes it drives them crazy as well. Many of them are struggling with uh, understanding exactly what it is that that the Koran actually teaches, and they're struggling with it. There seems to be a kind of a battle going on within it about. Well, let me give you a quote about that very thing. Here is a quote, mm-hmm. and you'll start to understand why the tenets of the religion almost cannot be changed. Because I can't tell you to change the tenet of your religion. It's I can't do that. That's my Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in theirs, they have the same dilemma, except the things are much different. Now, and there is something uh, in the. Uh, uh, in the with the Quran, there's also something called the Hadith. That is really the acts of Muhammad, and from the acts we discern lessons on how a good Muslim should be. Okay, now here is is the Hadith somewhat like the Talmud or a commentary? Uh, no, it's more like a Christian commentary. Okay, but uh, but in all fairness, it's really neither one, because you read the story of what Muhammad did in particular instances. Mm -hmm. And from that, we discern proper conduct for proper Muslim. Now, he had a a second command, um, a guy named, and I may struggle somewhat with the names, but uh, in the Hadith of Sahih, it's S-A-H-I-H, and it was by uh, about Al-Bukhari. Volume 1, verse 35. Now, listen. This explains how you get to heaven. Whoever fights for Allah's holy causes, and if you die, then he goes to paradise because nothing compelled him to do so except his belief in Allah. He will be recompensed by Allah with booty. So if he doesn't die, he gets things, right? Physical things. But if he dies, he'll be admitted to paradise. Now you understand why, from that point of view, in the religious point of view, how you get to heaven in Islam is you're assured. It removes all doubt. Martyrdom, I guess. Well, we would call it. Well, we'd call, I think that's improper. But I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, I think it's really um, something called righteous murder. And see, Jesus was teaching, and Judaism, Jewish thought, Christian thought, is a religion of conscience. You make the decision. It comes from your free will. And Islam, which means submit, it doesn't. You don't have free will. You must submit. And so it's the absolute opposite. Because in Judaism, you have you have the Passover. That's a holiday of freedom. And that's the idea of Jesus giving spiritual freedom by him being the Passover lamb. So it's the idea of freedom all around. In Islam, it's exactly opposite. You don't have the freedom. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's going to hold, hold on to yourself, okay, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a non-private place. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, there's something in Islam called shirk. And, and people can check this out. Perhaps other people are familiar with some of this. One of the unforgivable sins, they do tell you, oh, we do have a concept of Jesus. Of course, they'll tell you that he was taken from the cross. He never died on the cross. Now, in that thought, 
If you believe in Jesus, that's shirk. And that means that's the unforgivable sin that you can never go to heaven. So that's fascinating. And, uh, and this is the honest truth. And the, and if somebody knows a Muslim, they can talk to it. And if they're sincere and open and honest, they can tell them. Because there's nothing wrong with them having their beliefs. Your beliefs should not allow you to hurt somebody else or kill them. But the truth is, when they, they consider Jesus will come back. But when he comes back, he'll submit to Muhammad. He'll be at his knees and apologize and repent for leading the world of Christians away from Allah. That's their understanding. Interesting. So we might say in a very real sense, for the Muslim, Jesus is what you might call the Antichrist. Now, isn't that fascinating? Hmm. So now uh, one sure. kind uh, of a caveat in this. One of the things I've noticed is that we say for the Muslims, and, and, and it seems to me that today one of the great uh, characteristics right now, as I said a while ago, that uh-huh. There's this great battle going on, even among uh, different Islamic or Muslim people that trying to redefine some. uh, We can't say that all Muslims, individual Muslims, believe what you're saying. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'm going to prove it to you. Oh, okay. It seems to me like there is very. You're saying that some people are may not be a good Muslim. No, I'm saying that there are different. Uh, the strands uh, of uh, like like reform. Well, let's uh, call Jewish, them. Let, uh, let's, name, let's say let's say a very fair-minded person, a Muslim, anybody would allow somebody else to have their religious thoughts. Okay, but here's the difference: a moderate Muslim, moderate. And listen, I'm not talking about the people; I'm talking about the religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, they still believe in their Quran, their Bible. It's the Quran, but it's their Bible. They believe in it. You ask the moderate, do you think that this is holy and this is what must happen? They will say yes. The difference between them and the, what we call the radical is the radical does it. The other guys support it because that is their religion. You have Christian missionaries. They do it. The rest of them just support them and say that's a good thing to do. It's that kind of an approach. In fact, let me just tell you a couple other things. I'm going to get into a couple right, things here sure. that's just going to shock you. All right. And all of this we're coming out of this passage in Deuteronomy where Moses warns against exactly idolatry. Yes, and worship of all worse than that, that the enemies and the death and the things that will come. It even talks about nations. It actually says there's a repentance provision in this for other nations what you would call the Gentiles, that are not Jews. And it's actually in the Song of Moses. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. But So, okay, now here is, for example, uh, is there somebody online? Oh, I'm sorry, there's Bob. Let's do Bob's question. Sure. Let's sure. pull Bob up then and visit with him. Um, Bob, you're on the line tonight here on the Bible Live. Excuse me, my voice is a little bit, uh, a little strained tonight. I hope you can understand. Good to hear from you, Bob. What's going on? Uh, good, good to talk to you, man. Uh, yeah, we get this, this funny, foggy weather. Maybe it's just getting a little foggy in your throat. That could be. That a lot could, better for you, sir. Could definitely be. Thank you, Bob. Uh, I would, uh, the 30, uh, Deuteronomy 32.6, uh, is Avinu, uh, is an expression, uh, meaning our father. And, uh, so it's it's showing that uh, the Almighty is our, is your father, Israel, 
and uh, really he's the father of the whole human race. Way to go. But, uh, Way uh, to go. That is indeed uh, but, uh, that one time in the Hebrew Scriptures, not one time, I think there are several others, but uh, it's not that often that God is referred to as Father, but it is a title that Messiah picks up in the New Testament. Jesus yes. refers frequently to God as his Father, and it taken up yes. by his disciples, and now even to our modern era, we think, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We, we thought Father, you know, we think of him as our Heavenly Father, and uh but it, but it's uh, like I say, it's not that normal or uh, usual in the Hebrew Scriptures, but it is actually found, and this is one of those occasions in Deuteronomy thirty-two, six. Thank you very much. Appreciate your calling to answer I, that question. Good job. Does Abba, where does Abba come in? Does Abba is Abba Greek uh, or is that Hebrew? I, I believe that Abba is a uh, Aramaic version of. Uh, of uh, Abraham means uh, he's the father of uh, many nations, and uh, the the Aleph uh, Bet on uh, the front of his name oh, is uh, wow. father, and, and those are the first two. Those are the first two letters of the, what we call the Aleph Bet in Hebrew. <laughs> but um, I uh, I did want to say I, I listened to the show last week. And uh, there was there were people calling about the two sticks in Ezekiel and uh, elsewhere, uh-huh. trying to join Judah and and uh, the, the the lost sheep, the, the ten tribes who <laughs> Assyria took away in, in the eighth uh, century, I believe, uh, around seven twenty two, eighth century BC, <clears throat> BCE. Uh, and I just want and and they said uh, now now Messiah came to. To do away with Mishnah and Talmud, uh, of course, there was no Mishnah and Talmud so much at, at that time, but it was in its infancy or in its uh, formative stages. But uh, uh, he, he wanted to do away with all the traditions. But I really believe that there's a different approach that we can take. And that, that is something that I've done is I, I've gone on the website of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, and I've joined that. I, I was surprised how, how easy it was. You basically just put in a very small amount of information. And I'm really putting a lot of information about myself into uh, website forms. We all are. You put a very, small, a very small amount of information. And Rabbi Eckstein there in Chicago begins to send you some, some emails a couple of times a week. Basically, you know, he's hitting you up for money, but he's also giving you lessons. And he gives you lessons on his website. But he's trying to strike up a fellowship between Christians and Jews. And I believe this is a much superior uh, approach than uh, uh, to, to participate in than to get into, uh, oh, we need to do away with uh, the way the Jews do things. And then when the, when the Jews just come around our way of thinking, then we'll join the two sticks. Uh, <laughs> I, like it's by force, almost like an Islamic uh, yes. kind of uh, thinking. And uh, I, I also, uh, my, my second thought is, uh, will there be someday, based on the prophecies, uh, uh, someday an Islamic Gandhi? Hmm. Interesting. That would be an interesting concept because they seem to be searching for something, some kind of a, some kind of a reconciliation uh, between the 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 more radical, the more violent aspects that are called for, and well, Sophie, how, more of a peaceful and, and approach. Sophie and Bob, we'll have to I, come back to it, Jacob. Yeah, okay. Our music has come up. Thank you, Bob, for calling in. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come right back. After these messages. All right. God bless, friend. My fear. 
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. I'm hitting that button a little too late every time tonight, it seems like. You are listening to the Bible That's Live. Okay. This is that our music last... is coming out too early. Oh, oh, your music is cutting out too early. That's it. It can't be my fault. Anyway, you're listening to the Bible Live broadcast. We're in our last segment tonight. We're discussing t- a lot I, of questions uh, from the book of Deuteronomy. Some of the stuff is, we, we talk about, can I talk a couple more about a couple of very Sure, and characters. Jacob has been talking about these final chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, particularly the Song of Moses, the oldest recorded, and I don't mean recorded like in a sound studio, but recorded, written down, the oldest, one of the oldest songs, I guess, in the world uh, recorded. Yes, it certainly now. is a very old song. And uh, it talks, it, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, Information from the Song of Moses was used later by Ezekiel and Daniel and other prophets that that's on the basis of those passages that they wrote uh, some of their most profound and most uh, interesting uh, prophecies concerning the end times. So uh, Jacob was in the middle of kind of explaining some of that to us, particularly as it relates to Moses has a special command in a special place in these final works about idolatry and false religions. And, well, it's and more than that. Those, it's right? about enemies that will kill you. Uh-huh. Okay? And I'll, I want to tell everybody in, right now, get a piece, piece of paper and a pencil or ink pen or something. Okay. You can use what you want to write on. I got it in my hand. I am going to tell them they can Google these for items for themselves. Okay? Number one. It's called the Pact, P-A-C-T, of Omar. Pact of Omar. You can Google it. P-A-C-T yes. of Omar, O-M-A-R. Yes, that's number one. Uh-huh. And then Google this. That's, that's going to tell you some facts about what's expected. Now, Jews and Christians, if they do not want to submit to Muslims, they get a break. They can do something called jizya. That's paying a percentage of what they make every year to Muslims. If you fail to do that, then you can be sold, your wife, your daughter, whoever can be taken and sold as a slave. And so what's going on is um, I want the second thing I'd like people to look up and read about. There was a Muslim conqueror who died in 1405. 1405. Not that long ago, and even in the Christian world. Not necessarily, yeah. And I'm going to spell it for you. It's, his name's Tamburlaine, and it's T-A-M-E-R-L-A-I-N-E. Okay? Timberlane. Now, when you read about him, you're going to find out that at that time, this Muslim leader killed one-fifth of the world's population to make it okay for Islam. And you see... I think I know who that is. I've heard this name before. 
I know we've we've read Tomer Lane. I know I've heard it elsewhere. Okay, what well, the point is? Was he Romanian? Um, no, but he did conquer Rome. Okay, but and S a Slavic, I guess, individual. I'm, well, I'm he, no, he was Turkish. He was Turkey, Turkish. Turkish. Yeah, but he did invade those countries. But what I'm saying is that's a second thing. I'm going to give you a third, and you can Google this. Everybody listening can Google. Okay. The third is, you know the story about Pocahontas and John Tom Smith. Tomer Lane, and then Pocahontas and John Smith. And number three is Pocahontas, John Smith. Google John Smith. Now, let me give you a few facts. Stand back. Give me some room. Let me breathe. I'm going to give you a fact. Okay. All right. We're ready. He killed one, or Timberland killed one-fifth of the world's population. Really? A, a fifth of the entire world's yes, population? Yes, that's what I'm saying. You didn't catch it the first time, I guess. No, I did, but I uh, A just, fifth. That was, uh, my mind was there thinking was about it. There was approximately, approximately 18 million people at Was that he time. a general, a commanding? Yeah, he's like a king, a big uh -huh. muckety-muck in the Islam world. Okay. And so he did that. Now, Jesus... In the Christian thought, he forgives. He allows you to have your own idea of freedom, your own religion. That's forbidden. Islam is an exact opposite of Jewish thought and Christian thought. Exact opposite. It cannot be compatible. Look, the people that were really having slaves, Islam allows you to have slaves. And if you want to be a good Muslim, you got to do what uh, Muhammad did. He had a rule that he was the guy that everybody could take, uh, you can have, if you can afford it, four wives. Or as many as your hand can hold, if you got the money. When these, uh, Muhammad was conquering, when uh, his second person in command conquered, when Timberland conquered, they had, 20, I'm sorry, 20% of the slaves, men, women, generally not men, they usually went into the front lines as conquered warriors. But the they had slaves, and the, and that was part of the booty that came uh, percentage came to the top guy. The rest stayed with whoever captured them. But and they also had something called the blood tax. And the blood tax is when they conquered a country, they would d want money, and they would also ask for what they call a blood tax. You had to give so many of your young boys become Muslims. They kept a harem of young of women and young boys. Now, Islamic thought, uh, having a, lusting a child perhaps, and, uh, and at that time, that certainly was the idea that uh, it was not considered homosexuality or pedophilia. Uh, because it's not, because the way it's been explained to me is, is that it's considered practicing for marriage. As odd as that seems to us. Now, when this took place, um, they these they went into a something called janissary. Those became warriors, and they trained them by Muslims and controlled them. And they sent them in the front in the front battles because they were expendable because they really weren't Muslim. And if the boys were cute, they went into the little boy harem. The uh, so the. Uh, mm. Uh, ped pedastry, I believe okay. it was called. Anyway, so now let me tell you a fantastic story about a guy you know called Vlad the Impaler. Now that's who I thought Timberlane was. No. Timberlane. No. Vlad, Vlad the Impaler is who we have been come to know as Dracula. Right. 
Now, he and his brother were part of that blood tax. And, ah. and his brother was cute. So his brother got put into the little pedophile um, harem where they would be sexually abused by the the Muslim soldiers. And uh, I guess Vlad was not a cute kid, so he got trained to be a soldier. Uh, I have forgot the exact number of years, but I believe it was uh, seven, eight years, something like that. And then one day, Vlad, he got loose, got his brother, rode back to Romania. He knew how to fight the Muslims because he knew how cruel and how ruthless they could be because they were in their world, they were great warriors, you might say. So he killed over 20,000 Muslims, and that's why they put them on a stake when they were still alive. And he lined the road into Romania, and he, you know, the stake goes up through your uh, mm -hmm. backside. Through your body. Through your body, and <laughs> still alive. he lined 20,000, and he fought them viciously. Thus his reputation came up pretty good as <laughs> somebody not to mess with. But he saved his country. He wasn't a bad guy. When Bram Stoker came along, he made up the story about drinking blood and all that. But the truth is, he was really a hero. He saved his country. And because the Muslims said, you know what, fighting this guy is just a hard fight. It's too expensive. We'll come back later. Now, in the Islamic world, as it's been explained to me, it's okay if we come back later because in their world, that's the end time of prophecy. So everybody, the world will become Muslim, so we'll come back later. You never stop. You never quit. But you right. and just take sure, really like the Hundred Year War, supposedly sure. we're involved in yeah. now. So and how what happened is, is uh, he would sign. He was from. He got involved with an order of. Uh, there's a famous statue where King George has got his head on a, a Muslim under his foot. That you can find that on the internet too, and it was kind of like the order of King George. And so he... But Have we moved now to John Smith? Is that where we're headed? Yes. Okay. So anyway, so what happens is, but when I'm first want to tell you one last line about Dracula. So what he did is when he signed it, he would sign Vlad, and he, put, uh, he would put the word for dragon because he's a dragon slayer. And dragon from Romanian comes out like Dracula. And so it becomes Dracula. So... So uh -huh. that's how it got there. But so it's a dragon. Vlad the dragon Now let's uh -huh. talk about Mr. John Smith. Everybody knows the story about Pocahontas and John Smith. But how did John Smith get to America? And you can Google this. John Smith was fighting the Muslims in Europe because uh, the Muslims were conquering Spain and conquering many other countries. And when they conquer, you don't have freedom of religion. What, what's more or less the... the Time of the dating. Uh, well, I would say this was probably 1600s. 1600s. Uh -huh. And so John Smith was obviously a pretty tough guy. And so when they were fighting the Muslims and the uh, the Christian side, the, the European side, they were not. Nobody was gaining. They're kind of holding a line with each other. So they decided to have an entertainment combat. So they picked, the Muslims picked one of their toughest guys, and the Amer or, I should say the Americans, the the Spanish English picked John Smith. Kind so of a Super Bowl. Uh, well, he was a tough guy. Obviously, he went out there and he killed the Muslim, cut off his head. So in tradition, they sent the second toughest Muslim. He killed him, cut off his head. They sent the third, killed him, cut off his head. Well, then when the battle erupted, in all fairness, the Muslims won that battle. They captured John Smith and made him a slave, and I believe he was a slave of the Muslims for seven years. 
And then one day he was out, and he was not a he was not a little pansy. I suspect he's a pretty tough guy. One day he was out with his master, and nobody's around. Uh, he pulled his master off, and you can read all about this. It's absolutely history. He pulled his master off his horse, killed him, put on his clothes, put on his slave clothes on that guy, then got on his master's horse and rode for ten days till he found friendly troops, and they got the collar taken off. And and when he finally got back to England, as a hero. The queen basically awarded him and gave him a coat of arms. Coat of arms is a shield. And if you'll type in on your computer the third thing I told you, John Smith coat of arms, it'll pop up. Okay, I'm going to do it right now. Go for it. Okay. Keep and what you're going to see on there is three Muslim heads. Oh, I see. So, and then they said, so they said, what would you like as a reward? He said, I'd really like to go explore the new world. So it ends up over here in Jamestown, etc., and in America. Oh, John Smith, coat of arms. What to say? What here. you got there? So uh, <laughs> I'm looking it up. And uh, uh, but my, that's my point. So uh, I'm saying three Muslims. Those yes, there they are. Yeah, I told you. Right now there. see, this is the rest. Of, we're not taught our own history anymore. Instead, we're talking about Pocahontas, a little girl fell in love with John. Okay. That's great, but the rest of the history is also, we have been at war. We're not with Muslim people. I do not hate Muslim people. The religion is nuts. What I'm telling you is, is that, that you, are you familiar with a marine song from the halls of Montezuma to, to the, the shores, shores of Tripoli? Of course I am, okay. yes. Well, what is that in there? What, why the shores of Tripoli? Where is that at? Morocco. Uh-huh. Because I'm about, I always thought this would be a great movie. And if I ever get in a position, I will help this or somebody will do it on their own. Okay. But there were one and a half white million, a million slaves in the Muslim world of Morocco at Tripoli. And so what happened is, uh, and, the, and the Muslims had built a sword that was superior to any swords that uh, the rest of the world had. The other swords are heavy, and they it take two hands to wield them. But the Muslims built this nice little curved sword, a scimitar, and they could take your head off with one swift blow. So, you've heard of the term when they attack, when they actually Thomas Jefferson got himself a copy of the Quran that had been translated into French, and so he could read it. And he had, they had a meeting with the English, the French, and the Americans, and they said to the guy from Morocco, the leader, they said, "Why are you taking our people slaves?" And it's, uh, he said, well, because we can. The Quran says that you're if not Muslim, you're an infidel, you can be our slaves. So, at any rate, today, by the way, that Quran is in, uh, of Thomas Jefferson is in the Smithsonian Institute. Anyway, here's what happened. So America attacked from the water. The other European countries attacked from the land. The, generally, what they, after a few skirmishes, the Muslim troops gave up and ran away, leaving the one and a half million white slaves. They had captured them fall from the coast of Europe, from the white ships, from America, that kind of thing. Males and females. Uh, Yes, that is true. And uh, so what happened then is, but to protect the American Marines from getting their heads lopped off with a sword, they invented a term you've heard of. You've heard of Marines called leathernecks? Yes. Well, that's because they supplied all the Marines that were attacking the Muslims with leather collars that the sword would not go through so they couldn't chop their heads off. So they all put them on and had the leather necks. That's where it comes from. <laughs> and now, this is... How about jar heads? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. That's, that's, another that's beyond the scope of my all right, information. All right. uh, but here's what's fascinating. 
in Islam, Muhammad, he got, I believe, and I, I think it was like 15, 20% of all the booty, all the slaves. So he did that. Remember in the Hadith, what he did from the stories, that's what a good Muslim does. So it's okay to have slaves. That's why in today's world, there's a lot of slavery going on. Nobody seems to have the courage to say it's in the Muslim world because Muhammad had slaves. You want to be a good Muslim, you, you do like Muhammad did. And I said, so slavery is okay. What country was it? Nigeria, where they stole those uh-huh. three hundred girls? And yes, was that that's right. You've got the same thing the going same on mentality. because the well, you see, if Muhammad mm-hmm. did it, a good Muslim is free to do it. It's it's like what they call it's ha'el. It's permitted or not permitted, but it's permitted because we've got our stories that say of how to be a good Muslim from the example of Muhammad. By the way. Uh, that's why the truth is also the real, there may be little pockets or something, but generally today, the slavery that's going on in the world today, nobody wants to say it. It's from the Muslim world because it's okay to have Muslim, uh, slaves because Muhammad did. All right. Now, let's bring this back to all of this. Uh, it's not just you ranting and venting against Islam, I'm, I'm assuming, but it's, you're talk, you we're talking. Correct, uh, yes, we're talking about the book of Deuteronomy. We're yes, talking we about are. the the uh, Song of Moses uh-huh. and his warning about these. Uh, he warns about idolatry, about uh, other nations, other gods, following other gods. Yep. He is it part of the warning uh, against Israel if they don't follow God that yes. they will fall into yes. the hands. Of, yes. Yes. Okay, that's what we're, you're talking Because I know there's a passage, we kind of alluded to it here. Let me see if I can find it. That uh, um, It says that it, this he delivered three sermons to the people. Then finally Moses delivers his fourth and last message to Israel uh, in the form of a song, and starting in chapter 31. Uh, the And that, let me see, I'm trying to find it here. Where, uh, let me see, that he predicts that if Israel disobeys God, a foreign power will lay a siege so severe that the Israel, Israelis would be driven to do what for food. And, and he, he even says it in Deuteronomy 28 that they would, they would be reduced to eating their own children, to cannibalism. And which happened in both the Assyrian and the Babylonian context. Is that in the question? I didn't see that. In Deuteronomy 28, 53. No, I'm talking about what you're talking about, the eating the children with the Assyrians and all that. Yeah, that, well, it's Moses predicts that if Israel disobeys God, a foreign power will lay a siege so mm-hmm. severe mm-hmm. that the Israelis would be driven to do what for food. Mm-hmm. And chapter 28, verse 53. And I'm I'm just wondering, is this all in the context of these warnings that that Moses gives to the people? It is, and you have to remember, the Song of Moses Mm -hmm. is, at the time, it was the history. Mm -hmm. In fact, it says that at the beginning, and I guess at the end of uh, 31, chapter 31, it says, teach the song to your children and memorize, because people learn a song, they sing it. Well, it's called the Song of Moses, but Uh in chapter 31, verse 19, uh, Moses attributes the song itself to God. It says that God wrote the lyrics to the song of Moses. Well, let's see, thirty-one nineteen. You say yes. Well, thirty-one nineteen. Deuteronomy thirty-one nineteen. Thirty-one nineteen is actually before the songs. Uh, 
before the song itself. Yeah, 30, 32 is where the song starts. You're but, talking about, so write this song. Uh, write down the words of yeah. this song and teach it to the people children. of Israel. Help them to learn it so they may serve as, wit- as a witness for me against them. Uh-huh. For I will bring them into the land I swore to give their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh-huh. But he tells them, write down this song that I will give to you. Uh-huh. And uh, so the idea here is that the song of, of Moses is, oh I mean, yeah, it's a song of Moses. He gave it, he wrote it, but that the words themselves, the lyrics, the, the truths that are contained were given to him by God himself. Well, is the let's idea let's visit this and tie this up for the Christian listeners. Mm-hmm. Jesus does what's called Sermon on the Mountain. Right. Every Jewish king, only the king can do that. Yeah. It's in Deuteronomy. It's called the Hakel. Okay? Yes. Now that, he is doing the book of Deuteronomy. It's not the first time. It's done by God's commandment every seven years. Okay? That's what I was thinking that that Jesus had taught uh, the book of Deuteronomy. He was teaching the, the Torah, he was teaching the law, starting in chapter 5 of Matthew. We, it's what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It goes for one, two, three chapters, five, six, seven. Well, okay, but let's just, in the interest uh-huh. of time, let's... Uh-huh. Um, here, I want to tell you something. It's, and basically, I think it says, When Israel, every seven years, comes together, he shall, in the place he shall choose, he shall read this Torah. It's uh-huh. Deuteronomy, that's uh-huh. this Torah. Before the children ears. Now, here's what's going on. It's supposed to be reminiscent of God speaking at Mount Sinai. Okay? And remember in Matthew seven twenty nine, mm-hmm. he says, Everybody was surprised because he spoke with authority. That's not like Jesus speaking like God. He's speaking like the, it's a declaration to Rome. I am the king of Israel. Speaking as, with the authority because of king. Because only mm-hmm. the king can read this or, or do this book mm-hmm. of Deuteronomy. And he must do it out loud to teach all the people every seven years. So he was fulfilling that command. That's right. He, he, if he kept all the laws, then he was doing this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I want to, just in the interest of time, I want to jump ahead real quick to something. Where am I? 20. Uh, yeah, listen to this. This is in the part of the song. It says. Uh, Deuteronomy 20. No, 32. 32, okay. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, that's the song. The song is chapter 32. Mm-hmm. Very, very difficult, unless you're really. Uh, it's even kind of hard without knowing Hebrew, but that's okay. But you know, you learn things, and it seems like it's just something we're reading about. But Ezekiel understood, Zechariah understood. And Daniel, they're all doing what was actually, you might say, predicted. But let me just give you an example of this. Uh, They said, look, God said, hey, you provoked me with a non-God. I'll provoke you with a non-people. In fact, let me read this, just a couple of verses. What verse? 17. Mm -hmm. They would slaughter two demons without power, gods they did not know. Newcomers recently arrived from their ancestors that they did not dread. You ignored the rock who gave you birth. You forgot God who brought you forth. Uh, God, I'm sorry, I'm changing some of these words to make them mm-hmm. make sense in English here. God will see you and be provoked by the anger of his sons and daughters. And he will say, I will Pro- hide. Provoke to anger yeah, okay. by his sons okay. and daughters. No? Is that how you version? Okay, that is fine. okay that's yeah. fine. And he will say, I shall hide my face from them and see what their end shall be. For a generation of reversals, 
the children whose upbringing is not in them. They provoked me with a non-God. They angered me with their vanities. So I shall provoke them with a non-people, a vile nation, and I shall anger them. And it actually goes on and talks about, down at the bottom it says, the sword will bereave while the in indoors they will be dreading. Now, what's fascinating is, and it goes on, and some of the words have the meaning of the sword, etc., etc., but what's happening is, this is a prediction of what's in the future. And I know I'm jumping ahead, and I apologize for that, but I want you to see something about the non-Jews and a prediction about okay, Christians, let's say. Look over in 32 and verse 43. Got it. And it says, uh, God's talking about, look, I will come back, I will rescue. But when he gets down to 43, he's not talking about Jews anymore. 32, 43. O nations, sing the praises of his people. That's not how great are the Jews, that's how, how great are the Jews' laws that God gave. Mm -hmm. uh, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. The servants, because they're that's the difference between being a slave and choosing to do something for your mm -hmm. He will. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Keep going. We can finish. We got a little bit. Okay. He will bring retribution on his foes. He will pray, appease the land of his people. And so it says Moses taught the words. Anyway, the point is, is the nations that join with the the, the God of the Bible. The nations, Christians, the Gentiles, they are talked about here that this is their saved also. Thanks, folks, for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday night. It's dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.